Welcome to Taiwan Report News Brief, news and analysis from Taichung, Taiwan. I'm Donovan Smith. All right, up today on the program, TSMC is truly massive and sucks big power. Control UN controversies continue. 13 deep blues have been indicted for encouraging violence. Taiwan gets some support from Belgium and a a Taiwan-U.S. organization grows on the world stage. And finally, possible good news from India. But up first, headlines. Short-stay travelers from Taiwan to Guam will no longer need to receive a COVID-19 test and self-isolate for 14 days upon arrival. Beginning July 24th, the Taiwan representative of the Guam Visitors Bureau said Friday. The fisheries agency on Thursday announced a ban on fishing three species of large sharks, megamouth, great white, and basking sharks, in a bid to preserve biological diversity in waters off Taiwan. Fishing vessels that catch these sharks by accident must release them back into the sea, whether they are dead or alive, the agency said in a statement. Apple assembly partner Pegatron Corp, which is Taiwanese, is making preparations for its first plant in India, adding to a large influx of foreign tech companies in the con- in, into the country this year. Last month, the Indian government set out a U.S. 6.6 billion plan to woo the world's top smartphone manufacturers, offering financial incentives and ready-to-use manufacturing clusters. Pegatron is now setting up a local subsidiary and joining fellow Taiwanese electronics assemblers Hanhai Precision Industry and Wistron, who have already been making some iPhone handsets in southern India. This is part of a broader move led by countries like the United States, Japan, and Taiwan to diversify supply chains out of China. The government is considering expanding its stimulus initiative for local industries affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, and its so-called Stimulus 3.0 program is on the way, said the Minister of Economic Affairs. In a radio interview with Clara Jo Kokojia, Wang said the executive yuan is to finalize plans for another round of stimulus funds next week before sending them to the legislative yuan for approval. Stimulus 3.0 is likely to add another $200 billion of relief, which would be allocated to support Taiwanese businesses hardest hit by COVID-19, mostly in the manufacturing sector. Companies whose revenue has decreased by 50% would be eligible for government assistance with employee wages and operating expenses. Members of the public picked up various kinds of government-issued stimulus vouchers on Saturday, which are aimed at boosting the local economy weakened by the outbreak. People have flooded to state-owned Zhonghua Post to buy 3,000 NT in vouchers for 1,000 NT, and as of 2 p.m., more than 710,000 vouchers were sold. State-run Taiwan Power Company, Tai Power, is building Asia's first virtual power plant, which would be capable of producing 15 megawatts of electricity per second, the company said. The project is expected to come online partially as early as the end of this year, Tai Power said in a statement. 
A virtual power plant is a network of decentralized units that can aggregate and distribute power as supply and demand fluctuate. The Taiwan military plans to spend more than 4.8 billion NT on new communication system to prevent eavesdropping by China. All right, I have an interesting statistic of the day from an editorial in yesterday's Taipei Times. According to Greenpeace, TSMC's annual electricity consumption accounts for 4.8% of the nation's total power consumption, exceeding that of Taipei. When TSMC starts commercial production of its three nanometer chips in 2022, its annual power consumption is expected to rise to 7.2% of the entire nation's consumption, making it Taiwan's number one energy consumer. That's just one company. TSMC, by the way, is the world's biggest contract chip maker. And it also just recently signed the world's largest private power supply deal with Orsted for 920 megawatts of offshore wind power being built up off the coast of Zhanghua. Following Friday's chaotic and rushed vote ratifying President Tsai's nomination to the Control UN, controversies are still raging. Before the vote, the new Power Party caucus uh, told a news conference that legislative speaker Yoshi Kwan had become a rubber stamp for the ruling party by allowing a vote to be scheduled before proper review of the nominee's qualifications could be completed. The Taiwan People's Party and the NPP caucuses have called for the vote on the nominees to be held bef- after their qualifications were adequately reviewed, which, by the way, is legally required and didn't happen. As a result, both the NPP and TPP said they would ask for a constitutional interpretation on whether the confirmations were valid, and they just might win. Meanwhile, KMT caucus whip Lin Weizhou said that there had been wrongdoing in Thursday's vote on a motion that marked the end of a review of the nominees and set the rules for yesterday's vote. Now, that review never really happened, but anyway. DPP legislator Chenning was at a TV station recording a political talk show when Yo put the motion to a vote, but her name lit up on a screen showing who had voted, indicating that someone else had voted for her, Lin said. Now, if this is true, that is indeed bad. However, KMT Chair Johnny Chang's reactions may be a little over the top. He said in English on Twitter, quote, I will not allow DPP online to turn hashtag Taiwan into a sham democracy, in quotes, that counts the vote of a legislator who was clearly sitting on a TV talk show at the time and not on the legislative floor, exclamation point. Democratic shamefulness, exclamation point. In Chinese on Instagram, he went further saying democracy is dead and called for street protests to defend democracy. Obviously, we're not quite there yet. In spite of being the guy trying to reform the KMT and move it closer to the mainstream, Chang has been sounding very deep blue recently. Now, that may make some political sense. 
He needs support from the party delegates to the upcoming party Congress in September to get his reforms through. In other words, he needs the the support of party members who are in the party now, not the ones he hopes to attract in the future with a reformed party. So I expect until that vote happens, I think he's going to remain sounding pretty deep blue. Meanwhile, DPP caucus whip Kajim Ming compared KMT lawmakers to the Boxer Rebellion in China, an armed uprising at the end of the 19th century by Chinese secret societies and religious zealots to drive out foreigners and repel rising Western influence in China, alluding to their use of violence in a futile attempt to resist progress and modernization. Okay, I think Ko was being a little over the top there. KMT lawmakers destroyed ballot boxes, damaged the rostrum, and other property inside the legislative chamber to try to stop DPP legislators from voting, Kuh said, adding that these actions have breached legislative regulations and rules of conduct. He also called on all parties to work together to abolish the control UN and the examination UN, which is looking increasingly likely that it will happen now that basically it seems all all the party caucuses are on board. KMT legislator Wu Sihui and 12 others were yesterday charged for their roles in a two, 2018 demonstration against military pension cuts that turned violent, the Taipei District Prosecutor's Office said. In the indictment, prosecutors say that Wu, then deputy head of a veterans group, and Wang Baoyun, Baoyun of the Blue Sky Action Alliance encouraged violence when they spoke at a rally in front of the legislative UN in Taipei on April 25, 2018. Their speeches were found to incite rioters or protesters to clash with police as people sought to break into the legislative UN, they said. The demonstration and violent clashes led to 32 police officers and 11 journalists being injured. Wu's group, the 800 Warriors, had since February 2017 organized a series of protests over pension cuts. The 11 others were charged with obstructing officers in the execution of their duties and causing injuries. In a statement, Wu called the indictment a distraction created by the Democratic Progressive Party as it pushes through the approval of former Presidential Office Secretary General Chen Zhu as Control UN President. Now, the 800 Warriors group, in spite of being almost entirely old, deep blue men, for a while were a source of of real concern, including over the safety of the president. Their antics to try and stop pension reform were dramatic and at times dangerous. The pension reform, however, was supported by the public and ultimately passed and saved the pension system financially. The Belgium Parliament's Chamber of Representatives on Thursday overwhelmingly passed a resolution that called on the country's government to support Taiwan's democratic development and its meaningful participation in international organizations. The resolution, which listed several proposals urging support for Taiwan, was passed in a 130-0 vote with 13 abstentions. The resolution also suggested that Brussels advocate for the resumption of dialogue between Taiwan and China and for the release of Taiwanese activist Li Mingzhe, who has been serving a five-year prison term 
in China since 2017 on charges of subversion of state power. Well, these sorts of resolutions usually don't accomplish a whole lot. They do send a message that it was passed with such a huge majority is a powerful statement. It also makes me very suspicious about the motives of the 13 who abstained. Apparently, they don't support Taiwan's democratic development and its meaningful participation in international organizations. I wonder why. Taiwan and the U.S. are to hold an international conference under the Global Cooperation and Training Framework in Latin America and the Caribbean for the first time, with Guatemala the host nation. The cooperation encompasses digital economy, COVID-19 prevention, digital infrastructure development, internet security, women's empowerment, and 5G communications technology, among other topics. The GCTF was launched by Taiwan and the U.S. in 2015 to bring Taiwan's expertise and leadership to the global stage. Japan last year joined the platform as a full partner, while Sweden and Australia have joined as co-host countries. Since 2015, 24 international workshops have been held under the GCTF, attended by more than 600 government officials and experts from 39 countries. It seems to have been fairly successful at helping Taiwan interact on the world stage, which I wouldn't have expected it to. Something in the Indian Express caught my eye. The article starts with this. In what is being read as a strong impetus to its ties with Taiwan amid the border tensions with China, India has chosen a senior diplomat handling Indo-U.S. relations as its new envoy to Taipei. A strong impetus to its ties with Taiwan certainly sounds positive. All right, once again, I have a happy announcement. We have another Patreon, a patron on Patreon, I mean to say, Sebastian. Thank you very much, Sebastian, for your support. It means a lot to us. We are grateful to all our patrons for your support, which enables us to keep this up and moving forward. All right, check us out on report.tw. Hit like and subscribe and all that good stuff. And I will not be recording tomorrow, but tune in the day after. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw.